All right. Well, our message today, I'm not going to quite say sermon. I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to call up Jason and Lindy, and we are going to discuss it. Matthew 22, 34 through 40, if you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. This is found on page 1052 in your Black Pew Bible and 1195 in the Adventure Bible. Matthew 22, oops, 34 through 40. The great commandment, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. I read in Jesus' name. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to think about love and worship, Lord, I ask that you would guide us into your truth, for your word is truth. Lord, and may you express your truth even through us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jason, Lindy, you guys want to come up? I'll grab some chairs. Yeah. You said you wanted to come. We should grab microphone pass between so just so you guys know lindy didn't know what our text was going to be he texted me i think on friday night after i'd sent out that well he was planning on being on call uh he said well i might be able to be there so if i if i am then i could participate too i said well that'd be fine and then problem is i didn't get that until yesterday i believe because of the world mission prayer league thing that i was at and um <laughs> so, so what to, this is going to be a little bit different because as your pastor, I am still a little bit different. And <laughs> instead of me preaching, I'm going to actually be interviewing these guys and see what they think about this and how this goes. So, can you, ask a question? you can ask a question. So, can, can you explain? Microphone. So could you explain verse 40 to the people? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets before we talk about love. Yeah. So Matthew twenty-two forty. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was supposed to be doing the interview in here. You see how Lindy turned that around? <laughs> you got to watch. You got to watch him. But it's important to the text. It is important to the text. So the idea of... These being the center of all the law and the prophets is that if I'm going to fulfill another commandment, it also has to fit under these ones. And so, can I 
Can I love Dar? Can I do something good for Dar that actually goes against the will of God? No. Well, but you know, Dar really wanted help stealing. <laughs> Not that Dar would ever do that. But I'm, yeah, I picked on him in Sunday school. I'll pick on him again. Um, but there was about me stealing from him. I couldn't help Dar steal and say, I'm doing the will of God because I'm helping somebody. I'm loving Dar, but knowing that stealing goes against the will of God. And so as the commandments are all nested in each other and they're all united together, James actually goes so far as to say that if you break one of the commandments, you break the whole law. And the problem is that they're all interwoven. They're all interconnected. And since they're all interconnected, I can't just break one of them. I actually break all of them. And they're all interwoven at these two points. Now, if I help Dar steal, then I would actually be not loving Dar because I would be perpetuating Dar's thievery. Now, Dar has never asked me to steal, so we'll lay that aside. But I'd be perpetuating Dar's thievery and I wouldn't be obeying the second greatest commandment, which is to love my neighbor as myself. I don't want anyone to encourage me in my sin. That would be bad at every level. Also, it goes against the will of God, and so then it's bad at every level. And so upon these two commandments hinge everything else, the law and the prophets. And so what are the prophets? What was the goal of all the prophets? The goal of all the prophets was to drive people back to God. And so if we're not walking in these commandments, if we're not walking in love towards God and love towards our neighbor, it's actually drawing us away from God. And it's drawing other people away from God. And so my obedience to Christ, my obedient fellowship with Christ is the only thing that draws in, in my life, not because the gospel is ultimately the thing that draws people, but as I live out the gospel, that's the thing in my life that draws people to Jesus. So when I'm living in sin, either A, as a Christian, or I suppose A or B as a Christian, A, as a Christian, if I'm living in sin, if I have embraced sin for my own life, disobedience to God for my own life, then I'm going to be telling you, this is how Christians live. This is how Christians act. And then you can make a decision. Well, should I live like that or not live like that? As a human being, as I'm acting like this, whether I'm a Christian or not, I'm actually encouraging the people around me to act like this. And so I've had friends that have gotten involved in drugs and, well, uh, yeah, drugs and alcohol, but just thinking specifically about the drugs. As they are involved with drugs, uh, they end up running into other people that are also involved with drugs, and those people encourage each other in their drug addiction. And so if I'm walking in sin, I'm going to encourage you in your sin addiction at some level. And so it doesn't matter which sin I'm in, if I'm hardening my heart towards God, I'm going to encourage you to harden your heart towards God in some way. I can't, I can't be walking in love towards God and encourage you to not love God. And so it's always going to be encouraging other people because my sin addiction is going to drive me to encourage you in your sin addiction. Whatever addiction that is, sin addiction that is. Because sin is ultimately a type of addiction too. And so, or addiction, yeah. Does that make sense, Kev? So, how do you guys view love and worship? That's how I view it. Jason's got the mic. Right, and I've got the mic. I'll save Lindy a little bit here at first. Um, for me, I think it really depends 
if you asked me today, which I guess you are, <laughs> and, and put a little context with it, if you would have asked me even six months ago, um, to me, worship then was going to church on Sunday and what that entailed. Um, there's a lot of aspects of it, you know, even, even as we have talked, that um, I kind of did as more of a, a service or like a, a thank you to God. It was more of a, a discipline, but not something I really enjoyed a lot of it. There were certain parts of it I do, and some parts, certain parts of it was like, eh. And I feel like, um, especially as we've talked about some of the um, different fruits of the Spirit, and as we've talked about worship and stuff, you start to see what worship really is a lot more. Um, you know, as we had our conversation a few days ago even, it was um, a lot more of keeping God's commandments. You know, how do we... How do, how do your children honor you as parents? You know, do you, if, if, do you find um, when your children are disobeying you that they're respecting you and, and giving you, showing your, their appreciation to you when you're asking them to do something and they're kind of laughing at you or like, I don't want to do that, and they're, they're kind of being, um, as my children would be not listening to their mother about getting up and doing homework, are they showing <laughs> grace, love, and respect? Are they showing her... Um, what that is, or do you, or is it more when they know what they're supposed to do and they do it? They don't necessarily have to be reminded. They don't have to have consequences to do what they're supposed to do. They do it because they want to and because they 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 love um, grace or myself enough to just do it on their own accord. And as they become more mature, they, it becomes easier for them to do that. I think that's a two-part. It really comes into like that the, the verse we read like about the two commandment, the first two commandments, and and what that is. As we grow closer to God in our in our walk and want to do that, we naturally want to do what God wants because we're more mature in our faith. Our worship, to me, then is: Am I doing what God asked me to do? And it isn't just going to church on Sunday. It, it's it's it affects my entire life. It's like if I'm infatuated with a gal before I was married, Grace, and and <laughs> and, and I'm going to put that in there now. You know, you, you, that, that that person's consuming your thoughts. You're thinking about them. You you're, you're talking to them. You your your actions, the things that you do, your behaviors change to please that person. In some aspects, you're you are worshiping that person because that is, that is encompassing your mental and physical and everything you're doing. As we worship God, we should be emulating that in our lives. You know, it should it should be everything about us that's affected by it. It is not just a something that we go do on Sunday. It is our our the way we go about it, our thoughts and our, our process that we do with that. It should be affecting our lives. It should be every every aspect of it should be centered around that. And if it's not, um it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it means we are still growing. We're still maturing. And as I, I always find it fascinating, it doesn't ever feel like how far I've come. And then you look at, boy, I was an idiot there. And then a year or two later, you're like, I was still an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, it's easy to say I'm probably still an idiot. And, you know, with a lot of that, and, and, and I'm growing. And I think that's. That that's important to to understand, you know, and and that we're growing. Um, and that's part of worship. It is part of worship. What do you think, Lindy? What do you think about love and worship? It's easier to go first, by the way. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm still stuck on um, verse 40 for a congregation. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. How often do we think about the Ten Commandments? And how often do we see the Ten Commandments as loving God? And I, I can't really comment much more about that because it's... Uh, just brought that to me while I was reading it. Well, Don't tip it away from yourself. Well, I wanted to, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> why, why we were just thinking about that, but when they sent me the text and I was praying about it, one word came to me, and that's sacrifice. That if you read, the, if you read it again, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And this is the greatest commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Can you do that without sacrifice? I would say no. Because if you think about that, can I love God without sacrificing anything? No. I, I don't think so. And so to me, if we think about what worship is, worship is worship. God is worth it. He has given us everything. And so I don't like the word owe. Oh, but like we talked in the Bible study yesterday, he is, we're clay. And so I'm going to steal the little thunder thing from art is that we're clay and God makes us clay. And sometimes the way that art describes it is that we got these little nubs in the clay. I don't know, I don't make clay, pots, but, and so God spins us on the pot of life and he gets all these nubs out and then he sticks us in a hot fire but he makes us a pot. And so to the people that, if, if you think of yourself as a pot, if you, as a pot, can you not love God? And, you know, what did God, God sacrifice Jesus for us? So then can we really not, we have to sacrifice our lives for that. You know, like if I want to love Jason as a brother, but I'd really kind of like to watch the NFL highlights. But I have to sacrifice that. And can I love my bride without sacrificing my life? I don't think so. So to me, the one word is sacrifice. So what do you think about sacrifice and worship, Jason? I think that people suck at doing it. <laughs> you said them, right? You didn't say yeah. us, right? You're, I, 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 I'll include myself in that. <laughs> so here, here's a good example. I read a statistic years back that there is less than a 5% difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, the way that they behave in a workplace. You know, if, if, if you love God with all your heart and with, with your soul and your body and everything about that, how far are you willing to go with that? If God said, Lindy, I want you to hang up your practice and what you're doing and step out and do something completely out of the normal, uh, out of the ordinary for you, maybe you pick up like a ministry or do something different. Are we, are we going to do that? You know, it's, it scares me, and, I, and I've talked about it, like when you, it is very hard for me to pray to God and say, God, use me, use my talents, help me to do them, but then save me from my own stupidness so that I know what you're asking me to do and then give me the courage to do it before you pick up too big of a stick. Because I feel like sometimes that's what he does. You know, as Grace and I are sitting here trying to adopt kids, you would think it would be very easy for some loving people 
to have kids that need a home to come into their home, and we are incredibly fighting the state of Minnesota for that. Now, we could tailor our response slightly different, and we could have kids in our home. And, we're, and honestly, to this point, we're not sure. I feel like God's tapping us on the shoulder that we may be in for a bigger fight, that it is maybe not about actually having kids in the home, that it is fighting the state of Minnesota to a lot bigger cause, and we're not entirely sure what that means. Um, and some of that is, are we going to listen to God and what we feel like he wants us to do, or are we going to take what the path of what would be of least resistance or what would get us what we want? It, it is difficult. There is a sacrifice there. You know, as, as I could work more and I could make more, and then I could buy more things for myself, or do I sacrifice some of that so that I have time to do some of the callings that I feel that God has asked me to do or to put my family before my own desires of wanting to do stuff? You know, it, it's, it's easy as men to identify as like, well, I just, I need this, and my family needs this, and they need that, so I'm going to work more. You know, but, but that's not what he's asked us to do as men. He's asked us to be the leaders of our household. And we're supposed to emulate Christ and what Christ did. You know, it, our wives are to submit to us and we're suppo- supposed to submit to Christ. Our, well, how we treat our family and how we interact with that should be a re- representation of what Christ did. And if we aren't doing that, we're missing that calling. And, you know, I think that that is, that is a sacrifice and that it is too easy to chase that and identify as that instead of... Um, it is a big sacrifice. So, you need the microphone. So, who really is our neighbor? It's it's easy for us to say that everybody is our neighbor, but do we practice that, or do we look at somebody and judge them in our mind, so that? Jason drives a green car instead of a blue one, and I really think he should drive a blue car, but am I going to judge him because he drives a green car? I know those analogies are silly, but we can't judge people and still have them be our neighbor. And it's, I mean, I think about my own life, you know, well, why did that person run the stop sign or something? Well, maybe they had an emergency. So I think for me, the second part of it is, can you truly say, I mean, we talked about, okay, we're, we're going to sacrifice and we're going to love God, but we know who God is. He's our king. But then now the second part is, who's our neighbor? So how does our love for our neighbor interact with our worship towards our God? Like thinking about Jason's fight with the, the state over the adoption issue and the the difference between respect and unquestionable acceptance. Are you, are you fighting that battle in worship towards God? Or are you fighting that battle in love towards your neighbor? Or are you fighting that battle out of Bremer stubbornness? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that becomes the hard line to, to, to battle sometimes too. Is, is that what it is? Or as you had kind of had mentioned to me, you know, as, as I question, I don't like being bullied. I'm much better off being the bully than, than being bullied. I, that's, I'm, I'm aggressive when, I, when I'm back to a corner. I don't like it. Um, so when I feel like the state is bullying me, I want to dig in. I want to come back and swing much harder than I'm being swung at. And that is my natural instinct. Um, 
so then, then, I, then I play in myself. Is this what God is asking me to do? Or is this what I want to do? And Joe is like, maybe it's both. Maybe God has picked you as someone who will dig in and fight back and not roll over and show their belly as much for it. And I'm not sure. And I think that's why we pray. And I think that's why we ask for discernment. And we, we talk to our brothers, as Lindy would say, and we ask for that, um, for some guidance and, and for some thought with that. So, <clears throat> so if we define that God has given us everything, and if I have a neighbor, then I have a relationship with that neighbor. Correct. Mm-hmm. Can I have a? Can there be somebody that's not my neighbor that I have a relationship with? That would be no, right? So if I have a relationship with a neighbor and my life is God has given me that life to worship God, I want what's best for that neighbor. So if they're a believer, they're going to have difficult times. So I'm going to be there to pick them up and to help them, and God and because God helped me and saved me, then I'm going to save, or not yet, but help that person. So if they're not saved, then, and I want what's best for them, because God wanted what's best for me, and he loved me, then I would want to worship and talk to them about Christ. So then, Lindy, in your love for your neighbor illustration, what are you, what are you sacrificing to God in order to help your neighbor? Time, energy, money. In some places, um, I'm trying to think of a word. Not uh, respect, not respect, um, sometimes respect. Um, Where you're like famous, pride. I'm drawing a blank. What do you think, Jason, as you sacrifice for the sake of your neighbor, what sort of things do you sacrifice to God? Other things that I value. It is surrendering that. It can be, it might be me just wanting to get home at a certain time. It might be um, things that I want to do. You know, this is what I want to do. I want to spend my time on Sunday doing this, or I have things I want to get home for and do, um, but God has put me in a place to help someone or to be there um, to do something else. You know, it, it is, um, so it's, and, and, and again, it comes back to um, worshiping. Am I putting God in, in, in my showing? God, God has asked us to go out and love your neighbor. He has asked us to go out and disciple others. He's asked us to go out um, and do these things in his name. You know, so by doing those things and doing them, not just like, oh my goodness gracious, I got to go do this. I really don't want to do this. It isn't necessarily, it, 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 it starts maybe as that because it's an act and but you're eventually, I think, you, as you mature, it becomes much easier to do. You know, like kids don't start off with a work ethic necessarily right away. They might be, you're going to do this. And then as they get older and they see that modeled through their fathers, they naturally want, they, a lot of them will become and have more of a work ethic and it's something that becomes brought into them because they've matured. And as we, and I think as it may start off as a painful experience and as God um, chisels away at us a little bit, becomes easier, and eventually I think it becomes joyful. So at the beginning of that, and this is for other of you, why is that sacrifice so painful? 
Because I want to... Because I'm selfish. Yeah, well, for sure. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do it the way I want to do it. So Lindy just said, because we're selfish? No. And so... So then I, I have a question for the two of you. So is... That's not the way this is supposed to work. Sorry. <laughs> I know. So if we love God and we want to worship God because of all he gives us, is sacrificing the same as surrender? <laughs> I'll wait in. Yeah, I, I really do believe that as we surrender something, we give it up to be sacrificed. And so surrender is first. You can't sacrifice... You can sacrifice something that you haven't surrendered, but if you sacrifice something you haven't surrendered, all that's going to come out of that is bitterness. And you're not really loving God. You're doing it now out of fear or obedience. Explain that. <laughs> so if you sacrifice something that you haven't surrendered, now our, our, we're still holding on to it even though it's dead. And all that's going to do is rot inside of us. And that's bitterness. Because it's still in our hearts, even though it might not be in our hands. And so in order to properly sacrifice something out of love for God, I first have to surrender that over to God. It's like when Abraham um, went to sacrifice Isaac. He didn't end up sacrificing Isaac. But how can you tell that Abraham actually had surrendered Isaac over to God? Because when Abraham said to the men that were with them, wait here, my son and I will go up to the mountain and sacrifice and we will return to you. That's the plural. We will return. And not I will return. His trust in God was so high that he knew that God would not allow Isaac to stay dead. That's what the author of the book of Hebrews is saying. says there when he says that Abraham believed that God could even raise the dead. And so the author of the book of Hebrews tells us what's going on in Abraham's head. And that's the, that's the miracle of inspiration. I don't know how that works. Um, Hebrews. Is the text. I don't know exactly. I'm not good at numbers or dates. Just ask Kirsten. Um, that's an old joke. I should stop using it, but sadly, it's still true. Uh, but rather, he believed, he had surrendered to such a degree that he knew that even if he killed Isaac, God was going to bring him back. And so as we surrender our lives over to God, we know that whatever God is asking us to give, that he is going to give to us more, that we will receive more back, that it will actually be better for us, that this sacrifice will be the best thing that we can do. Because if God is calling you to sacrifice something to him, now, yeah, I'm not going to rabbit trail that. If God is calling you to sacrifice something to him, he is also calling you first to trust him. Because surrender is actually the, the manifestation of trust. It is the act of trust. It's faith in action. Because unless I'm giving something over to God, I'm not really trusting him with it. And then once I trust him with it, if he calls me to kill it, does he have the power even to raise the dead? Does he have the power to give back what he has taken away? Because ultimately, who's the one that's given it in the first place? Can he give more? If God calls you to tithe, and we're not gonna, I'm not going to make this a money sermon, but if God calls you to tithe, he puts it on your heart, you should be giving to me 10%. Is God doing that to tax you? Is God doing that because, you know, he really needs your money? No. He's doing it for your benefit. For your blessing, not for his. Because, you know, believe it or not, God's got more money than we do. The government doesn't. 
But God does. His government doesn't actually own anything. It's ours. But I'm not going to make this political. <laughs> but that government taxes you because it needs your money. God doesn't call you to give because he needs your money. God calls you to give for your benefit. God calls me to surrender. When I was telling the story about when I was in college, in Sunday school, when I was in college, I really, all of my friends were getting married. And it was really hard because I kept getting left alone. They made this group of guy friends and they got married and they left me because it's, Because they were married now. They didn't want to spend time with a single guy. They were all married. And then this group of friends, the same thing happened. And this group of friends, the same thing happened. And I was scratching my head. I was praying about it. Lord, I want a wife. Just give me a girlfriend. And as I fixated upon that, it became harder and harder because I hadn't surrendered it. And when I finally surrendered, I said, God, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. I was free. When I finally entrusted over to God, I was free. God allowed me to go through that struggle in order to become free. And then he brought Kirsten along. But the interesting thing is when Kirsten came into my life, I noticed that there was a new student in, the, in CSO, but it, it took a few months for me to notice her because it wasn't time yet. And when it was time, it was like I woke up. Like, oh, there's this girl. That's around Seems to always be around. How does that go? She's stalking. No, she wasn't stalking me. But God had made her, put her into various circles in my life until I finally woke up. But once I had surrendered, I, once I entrusted that to God and surrendered over to him, then he could do with it as he willed. And he gave me something much greater back than my angst. Now, does that mean that God will always give you back exactly what you want? No. You know, I've surrendered many things over to God and he said, you didn't want that anyways. <laughs> I'll give you something different. And so, so yeah, I, I think surrender is, we, we, can't, we can't properly sacrifice if we don't surrender. We can't sacrifice in love towards God if we don't first trust God. And as we trust God, we can learn to love God because my love for God, my my love for God and my reliance on God and my hope in God and my trust in God and my awe of God have all grown as I've walked in surrender. And the more things that I've surrendered, the more I've seen his faithfulness. And like, I, I just need God because otherwise I can't do any of this stuff. And so, Give that, an amen for that. Uh, so, you know, it, as you've talked about that a little bit too, it, it is, um, it's so interesting to listen, you know, where your focus is at is where your heart is at. You know, if, we think about so you think about this in marriage even if if you're if you've been married for a while you know you 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 and your spouse grow closer together and you become more unified together you become more godly as a couple when you stop back and think about that and and please don't answer this out loud because it's going to start fights but <laughs> do you feel like your wives submit to you should or do 
you're not supposed to answer this. No. Be, be, be quiet. I, I warned I, I you. I, so if, if we are submitting to God first and we are emulating that and our wives submit to us, is it a good chance that they're not submitting to us because we are not emulating what God has asked us to do in our lives as the head of the household? If that's the way God has designed it, we need to be looking at ourselves with that. You know, so on the bigger pictures, we talk about worship and where our heart and where our soul is at. That is, that is really a, a key part of it. it is, where, where is our focus? If you've talked about it, you didn't see the other things that God was doing in your life because you were focused on what Joe wanted. Yep. You know, they talk about it in some marriage stuff that Grace and I have been to. If, if you write down on a, like on a business card something that drives you nuts about your spouse, and Grace could very easily tell you a few things. And if she puts this right here in front of her face, and this is all she's focusing on, does she see me at all? If she stands back from me, of Joe's grace, and she's, I guess if, if I'm grace, and I'm holding this thing that bothers me, and I'm back there, and it's like this, it's still there, but her focus is over here. She doesn't, it's, it's, it becomes a lot different because her focus is different. And that's the same with, Worship, because worship draws our focus to God as opposed to the things that get in the way. And if we're not loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we actually aren't worshiping to the depth that He is worth. If we are not loving our neighbor as ourselves, we are not worshiping the image of God in them. We are focused. We are holding these other things. Because whether they're irritations, like me losing all of my friends to girls, <sighs> those irritations, if I'm holding those up to my face, then I can't see God. Then I can't worship God. I'm actually worshiping that thing that I'm focusing on. Right. And so. Easier said than done, though, isn't it? It. it well, that's, but that's where sacrifice and surrender come. But not sacrifice first. Sacrifice comes after submission and surrender. And so. I think it's in Matthew that it's been weighing on me this week about what to do. And Joe has sent me the passage, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And we don't, we don't think about that. And so does that really have anything to do with worship? Well... If I'm seeking God's righteousness and I struggle with what that word is because we don't use it in our language, am I seeking God's righteousness? Because if I seek that, then I don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. Well, we should probably close. Do you guys have any closing thoughts about worship and love? What's the take-home message? All right. Well, I will punt that back to you guys, and I will answer last. So, if there's one, if there's one take-home message for you men, what does it mean for me to worship and love God? What does that look like in my life? Surrender. Surrender for Lindy. Surrender. It would be putting and looking at what God wants and not what I want in, in its um, totality. Is that the right word? 
it, every, everything about it, everything that should be my focus, and let God worry about the details a lot more. So I tend to not be particularly emotional as a Norwegian. And, and so when, when I'm talking about love for God, I don't often talk about affection because I don't, I'm just not emotional in that manner. And when people talk about having this great affection for God, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe because that's, that's cool. That's the way that God has made some people, some of you. I've heard you talk in that way. For me, love for God is trust. And as I abandon, I have a tendency to trust myself. Are any of you like that? If I want something done right, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm going to understand it myself. I'm going to explain it myself. I don't see that in you at all. You don't see that in me at all? Well, I'm, I'm glad you haven't looked. Um, <laughs> yes. And so for me to actually say, no, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to obey him and I'm going to walk with him because he knows better than Joe. <laughs> that, is, that is my love for God. That is my act of love towards God. I'm going to walk in obedience to God even when I don't get it. And that is, my, that is worship because he is worthy of that. He is wiser. He is smarter. He understands more. He is bigger. He sees further. And I'm going to express my worth towards God or God's worth through obedience because I trust him. Even when I don't feel affection, I still trust him. So, if you guys have questions for us, we could go on. But we're not going to, out of honor of you guys. So let's close with a word of prayer. If you have questions, come and ask us later. Talk to us afterwards. Lord, we thank you. I thank you that you are worthy. You are worthy of everything. Whether that be our desires, whether that be our lives, whether that be, Lord, whatever that be. What would good would it do us to gain the whole world and yet lose our souls? Lord, you are worthy of our souls. Every aspect of us, we give to you now because you are worthy. May you be revealed in this world through us then as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.